You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus sent out his disciples as messengers of the gospel. And everywhere they went, this new movement called Christianity multiplied. It was literally an explosion of faith that is chronicled in the book of Acts. All over the book, there are phrases like, and there were added that day 3,000 souls. Or, the Lord added to that number day by day those who were being saved. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and other church, we read, and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. This was all happening in amazing ways. In in short, the church was growing. God was working. Multiplication was happening. And now it's our turn. And as we look toward the future of Ridgewood Church, we, we understand that we're surrounded by a city and a country and a world that is desperately in need of Jesus Christ. And so we must move forward. And in order to do that, we must become bigger and stronger and wider and deeper, more committed to our cause, willing to put our hindrances behind us in order to embrace our mission and trust Jesus more than ever before. We must learn to courageously multiply in order to change the world. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. And it's written by Luke the disciple, who was a resident historian. And he traveled all around with Paul and likely was at each of the events that is, are chronicled in this book. And it's really an extension of the gospel of Luke. And in it, we have three general sections that chronicle the spread of the gospel between AD 30 and AD 60. Here are the three sections, and we're in the first one right now. We have in chapters 1 through 7, the church is established close to home in Jerusalem. And then in the second section, the church is enlarged to Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 through 12. And then finally, toward the end of the book, chapters 13 through 28, the church is expanded to the ends of the earth. And so what you see happening here is you see everything moving out from the center. You see multiplication, addition. It's all happening as the apostles move forward. And the theme of the book of Acts is also really important for us to understand what we're going to be studying. And here's the theme. It's very simple, but very profound. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Followers of Christ carried the gospel to the world. That's really what it's all about. That's that's what they did. That's what we are to do. Now, some have postulated that this book of Acts, which means Acts of the Apostles, should rightly be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Because the work of the Spirit is seen as directing and empowering the ministry of the church. 
And so now in the first verses, we witness the end of the Lord's ministry on earth and specific instructions to go out and courageously multiply in order to build the church and change the world. And so first the prologue appears in verses 1 through 5. And here the apostles are present with Christ as he was ready to ascend to the side of the Father. He gave them strict instructions to carry the news of the kingdom to the world so they wouldn't need to do it alone. The Holy Spirit would be there with them. So we begin in verse 1, Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, what do we learn from this first cluster of verses that we run into in this amazing book that will help us courageously multiply? And first, we learn that the Lord is indeed alive. We courageously multiply in order to proclaim the living Christ. And this word living is really, really important. The letter is addressed to a man named Theophilus, and we don't really know who he is. Many have speculated that Theophilus was a prominent man, that Luke wanted to convert, and so he's sending this letter to him. But we do know that this is a follow-up to the gospel of Luke, and we see in verse 3, that the Lord is alive. He presented himself alive to them. This terminology here, suffering by many proofs, means that the resurrection was now proven by more than just eyewitnesses. Now he was with them. He was present with them. And, and they could believe based on hearing and sight and touch that the Lord was alive. And while he stayed with them, he even ate with them. In, in Luke 24, we see that they gave him broiled fish and he ate it before them, not because he needed food. That wasn't the point. He was in his new resurrected body, but because he wanted to prove to them that he is risen from the dead. And this was vitally important to the apostles because it was these eyewitness accounts that drove their ministry forward. It's what gave them confidence. It's what helped them to stand in front of opponents and preach because they knew it to be the truth. Jesus is alive. There was no doubt in their minds. And we can believe, even though we're not there, and even though we haven't had that privilege yet, we can believe with all of our hearts that Jesus is alive, and we need to because 
in order to courageously multiply, we proclaim the living Christ. Secondly, we can see in this passage that the reason we can courageously multiply in order to change the world is that the Helper has come to strengthen and empower us. The Helper has come. And, and that same power is now active in your life and my life. Jesus not only gave proofs that He was alive, He also promised that He would send the Holy Spirit to empower the apostles. And in verses 4 and 5, we see this promise recorded. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now that language seems very complicated. And the Lord is promising this helper to courageously multiply, but what does John the Baptist have to do with this? Jesus was instructing the apostles, I don't want you to leave yet, because this helper is going to come, and an amazing event is going to happen, and we're going to talk about this next week. John the Baptist's ministry revolved around water baptism. John the Baptist. He, he baptized people over and over again. But his ministry was just a precursor. It, it was a foreshadowing of this event that was about to come, which would be baptism by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what Jesus is setting up here in the lives of the apostles. If we look at Luke 3.16, and again, Acts is an extension of Luke. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what was about to happen. The Holy Spirit was going to come upon them in miraculous ways, amazing ways. And Peter was going to preach the sermon of his life. And you're going to see this fisherman become an amazing preacher and an apostle. But you see, the apostles were simply forerunners for us to exemplify. And, and the world needs to be reached, and we can reach it just like they did through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's about to arrive. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is an amazing person. He is a person. He's not a thing. And, and He is fully God. He is equal in essence to the Father and the Son. He is involved in the various acts of God. The Holy Spirit convicts and illuminates the saving power of Jesus. He unites believers. He provides counsel and wisdom to believers. He is the seal of salvation for you and for me as believers in Jesus Christ. He endows spiritual gifts to believers and he empowers believers through his indwelling presence to do supernatural things like courageously multiply. And the church was multiplying because 
These apostles believed in the power of God, and the Holy Spirit had come to empower them. And so they were going to go to the ends of the earth to make this all happen. And this is so important for us to understand as well, because they understood what they were to do. They went out and did it, and they did it with courage, and the Holy Spirit was their helper. And he's your helper too. You're not in this alone. You're, you're not marching through the Christian life all by yourself. God isn't asking you to go to your neighbors, go to your friends, uh, be involved with missions work because um, you are strong and you're amazing and you can do it all yourself. That's not the point. The point is you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we as a team here at Ridgewood also have that same power. We also have the Holy Spirit working on our behalf. And so we can finish Illuminate Strong. We can start a preschool. We can find a pastor that can help us do outreach and discipleship. We can continue to develop our community partnerships. We can plant churches. In other words, we can courageously multiply. And we can become more than what we can see. We can trust that there's something out there that God has for us that we have not yet seen, just like what the apostles were experiencing. All these promises were being made. They didn't know about Pentecost, but it happened, and it was huge, and it shook the world. You see, Jesus is this, Jesus promised this helper, and we need the helper because we're proclaiming a risen Christ. And frankly, it's not very popular to proclaim the risen Christ. It's never been popular. But the reason we persevere is because we desire to be obedient to Scripture. And this may seem like an obvious point, but I think it's important. We seek to courageously multiply because we are commanded to. There's not really any options there. Jesus was saying this as he was ascending to heaven. Now, what's interesting about the apostles is that these, these followers of Christ still didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about, and they had an incorrect view of the kingdom. In verse 6, they asked, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And that means that they were holding on to this last vestige of this dream they had, that they were going to be kings in this kingdom, and they'd been arguing about that. But it wasn't for them to know that time. It was only for the Father to know. Their job wasn't to try to know the future. Their job was to go and make disciples. And we spent a lot of time... and. Don't get me wrong, we need to be aware of events that are going on around us. We are to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. We are to be busy getting ready for that event, but we don't know the time. And we waste a lot of time wondering if all these events are leading to this or leading to that, when in fact, we've been given a task, which is to go out and reach the world for Jesus Christ. That's what the apostles did. And to do it, they went to the end of the earth because everything worked out from Jerusalem. 
And for them, the end of the earth would have been Rome, which would have seemed like impossible to reach. It was 1,400 miles from where they stood on the Mount of Olives. And in that time, that is an immense distance. And so they must have thought, wow, this is going to be really hard to do. Even today, while they looked at Rome, we can look at all of the people groups and nations, tribes that have not yet heard of Jesus Christ. That's our end of the earth. Even today, there are almost 7,000 people groups that are unreached in the world. 7,000. And so there's plenty of work to do. And we have been called to do it. If we don't do it, who will? If we don't reach our neighbors in our city, who will? Are we waiting for other churches to do it? Are we expecting that the person next to us is going to do it? No, we have been given this task. And it's because God wants us to walk alongside of him. And Ridgewood Church, you know, we are disciples. We are disciple makers. And anything less than that would short sell our calling. And the mission that's before us can be accomplished, and it can be accomplished with great hope because Jesus is coming again. I want you to look at verses 9 through 11 because this is what we have to look forward to as time moves forward and as we do our mission. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What an amazing moment. So I want you to hang on to this truth because times are hard. They're dark and they're uncertain. But know for sure that Jesus is coming again. And then our work will be finished. Jesus is coming again. And this event that we read about here is what we call the Ascension of Christ, which marked the conclusion of his earthly ministry. And these are angels that are standing with this group of 120 that are standing on the Mount of Olives where you've seen all of these pictures of Jerusalem with the, with the beautiful, with the Dome of the Rock and where the temple used to be and it's this incredible scene. Well, that's from the Mount of Olives. That's exactly where they were standing. And Jesus was ascending because he was now going to be glorified at the right hand of the Father. And, and, and the ascension marked this moment that he would pass the torch, that he would turn the work over to his disciples and to future believers. The ascension was also really important because now this allowed the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promised helper. And so all of these things were happening at the same time. The apostles were going out. The earth was shaking. The Holy Spirit was about to come, but now it's our turn. 
we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's our turn to courageously multiply. It's our turn to proclaim Christ. It's our turn to follow this command. It's our calling. And we have been sent out until Jesus returns. And each of us has a role in this work. It's not meant for just pastors or just super religious people or Bible scholars. We all have a role to play to build God's kingdom. Each of us, you know, we can be friend and neighbor. We can be witnesses for Jesus where God has placed us. We can coach a team. We can get to know the kids and parents. We can work hard at our jobs so we're respected and people will listen to us. We can learn to see each person as one that is in desperate need of the gospel. We all have a role to play. So, Ridgewood, as we look to our future and we're surrounded by a city full of people that are in desperate need of Jesus Christ, we need to focus in on what God has called us to do. We need to gear up. We need to move with courage. We need to learn how to multiply in order to change the world. So let me pray for you right now. God, I just thank you for this beautiful flock that you've brought together at Ridgewood Church. It's an amazing, beautiful group of people that you have melded together into the local church and you have given us a unique task, a unique calling. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, so there's nothing that we can't do that you've called us to do. So help us to walk forward in courage, walk forward in faith, walk forward in unity, to see visions ahead of us that we can't yet see, but trust you that they're there, so that many men, women, and children can find an eternal relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.